We're live, everybody. Welcome in. It's Friday, April 28th. I should be looking at the calendar before I introduce what day it is. I always have to look and be like, what day is it today? <laughs> uh, 1 o'clock, uh, 1 p.m. Central, 2 p.m. Eastern, um, 11 a.m. Pacific, and other times in the world as well. I'm joined here by Mimi and Hans, community members, and we're here to discuss a bunch of different topics. But there's one specific one that is uh, quite a hot button topic in the special, specifically in the sort of Tesla investing world as of late. And we know a lot of our watchers and listeners follow Tesla very closely. And uh, I think today would be a great time to have a very in-depth discussion around Tesla advertising or not. Uh, if you follow Elon Musk and Tesla and other folks on Twitter, this has been a point of debate for the last few weeks, and it's been quite sometimes a little testy. <laughs> but uh, I think uh, today's discussion is going to be quite uh, interesting and fun. So for those that are in the comments section, if you want to join along with us in discussing this topic in the comments section, uh, this topic, please feel free to do so. Just make sure to keep it respectful. Uh, and obviously, we have one of the greatest, if not the greatest group of mods on the freaking Internet. And so they'll make sure that the discussion is super, um, super respectful. So uh, we'll just get started with the topic. I don't know if, if Mimi or Hans, either of you want to take it first, kind of how you're thinking about this. I'll let you decide who wants to go first and then we'll just turn it into a discussion. So who wants to who wants to open this up? Who wants to be the brave person to open this up? I can start. Um <laughs> I, it's so funny because there's so many different uh, takes on this, but it seems like um, I wrote, Emmett wrote, and he said on your stream mm -hmm. as well, that he mm -hmm. thought that we should go together and crowdfund an ad, an ad. And I wrote on Twitter and said that I thought he was really stupid because I don't think that we should pay with our money. <laughs> and he was so sweet. He liked my tweet. I thought that was really awesome. <laughs> um, but I don't, I don't think that we should have to pay. I think that Tesla should pay. But I, it seems like, I mean, you saw that uh, uh, commercial that a guy put out. Uh, it was really nice. Yeah. Considering he, he only did it with free uh, materials. Mm -hmm. But it seems like a, a lot of people, and me included, think that what's needed is a lot of basic education about all the misconceptions. Uh, even people who have EVs don't know everything. And there's so many things to bring up that are Tesla specific and, and that are EV specific. And I think that's that's what's needed. Just basic things. You can charge mm. your, your car at home. A lot of people yeah. don't realize that they can charge at home. Mm -hmm. Hans, go for it. Yeah, I loved um, Alexandra's take on this the other day on the Cyberbulls episode. Just really, it, it's very easy for those of us in the Tesla bubble, whether that's on YouTube or on Twitter, um, to really be familiar with the story, really be familiar with maybe the ownership experience, and just not to realize how many people who are not inside the community have any understanding. And I mean, People do get a sense for that when you have any discussion with anyone outside of the bubble related to any Tesla topic, you know, whether it's something that's FUD related, um, you know, this week having conversations with people about the SpaceX Starship launch and why it was not a complete failure as the media portrayed it. And so you can see the power of the media, the traditional media, the legacy media to create a general sense of a topic in very soundbite, 
simplified in usually negative ways when it comes to Tesla. Um, and so basically Alexander's take was that, yes, we do need advertising of exactly what the type that Mimi was saying, very educational, basic content. And it needs to get in front of eyeballs of people who are not inside the community because basically anyone who wants to know what's really going on with Tesla already knows all the information that we want exists on the internet. But the thing is you have to be the type of person to go look for it and find it in order for that to come across in front of you. And so, you know, I think that the, unlike a lot of people, I, I agree that that is something that can be very beneficial to the mission of Tesla. Um, and so then it just becomes a matter of priorities and it's really hard you know, not having access to information inside the company like Elon does, I can see a lot of value on the one hand in Tesla devoting all of their resources in a very focused way to solving the engineering and technical challenges of advancing the technologies that accelerate the world's transition to sustainable energy, maybe over the public perception for like prioritizing the technological advancement first and then just trusting the public perception of those to just naturally follow as long as they make enough progress in costs uh user experience and just generally making the products themselves much better more compelling and then a much higher value proposition prices that are accessible to the general person, um, just like Elon has said many times. And so, you know, it's since we're in this recessionary environment, it seems like, um, and I know different people might have different takes on that, that <clears throat> there is this kind of bubble that maybe we're in right now where Tesla's ability to grow at that 50% CAGR rate roughly, whether this year that ends up being 30 or 40%, but just on average, um, to grow deliveries at that rate without reducing prices is hard and people want margins to be supported. And so advertising is definitely one way to help support higher sales prices. But is the, so the question is, is Tesla the right entity to do that? And I agree financially and fiscally, you know, they have the money. Um, but I think it's hard to make the case to Elon specifically, who is kind of against advertising in general. And so this is where I actually do land kind of in support of Emmett's idea. And um, I, I think I had had some conversation. I'm sure that I'm not one, the first one to have this idea. So it was probably floating around out there, but I had suggested this to Emmett before he ran the poll. Um, and so I think it would be a good idea for us as shareholders to make the case to Elon why Tesla should invest in advertising with actual financial data on the efficacy of running the ads, increasing the general perception. And the hard part about that is just trying to get all the data across, okay, where are all the ads placed? What are the demographics of the people that are being reached? And then how do we tie that back in on the sales side? Like, can we see what the click-through rates are? And then can we see, see what the sales conversions rates are on those type of advertisements um, so that we can actually have the type of data that Tesla would want in order to know how efficient and effective 
are these types of campaigns. And I think, you know, Tesla doesn't have to do things in the exact same way that legacy advertising has been done. You know, they could do something that's very grassroots, like a lot of people have suggested, where you run contests to have Tesla community members generate the best advertisements, and then you reward those specific content creators, and then, you know, do something that's a little bit more focused social media marketing um, to put those educational advertisements in front of people who have, they're not going to ever look for and find that information themselves, but maybe they're, you know, easy to convert. Maybe they're looking for other renewable energy types of things or ways to save money on energy, ways to save money on gas. Like there's lots of different ways. So I think that's kind of the very nuanced position that I'm in right now, really in between, no, we should never advertise. Yes, we absolutely should advertise. Um, I, I guess the way that I could summarize all that is I'm not really sure if now is the right time. I think it seems like it could be a good time and I'd love to see the data. And I just know that Tesla is not going to pursue that strategy at this moment. And so if the community really wants to see what the results of that would be, then, you know, people should put their money where their mouth is and give it a shot and do something instead of just whine and complain on Twitter. So. Mimi, go ahead. Do you have any, any sort of anything you want to reply back with? Oh, got to find the boot button. There you go. Where, where do you, where do you think we should advertise? So that's, I would just have to defer there to some members of the community who are really high level into advertisement. I know that Yashu does a lot of yeah. social media advertising. Um, so I would think probably if we could find just like a group of Tesla community members who are extremely knowledgeable in marketing and then do some experiments and just see what the metrics end up saying is the most effective ways to convert. And I'm sure that would also change over time. You know, the more you start to get different channels saturated, you, I would assume we want to do like a, you know, a Pareto approach where what's 80% of the impact that we could have with 20% of the investment and then do that kind of on a channel by channel basis. Yeah, exciting. Yeah. From so he, here's where I come from my standpoint, and I think this is a, uh, I think Hans's point around it be, there there being a lot of nuance is really the important one because I think so. So put, go ahead and pull up this tweet uh, that I just posted in the private chat, producer wife, uh, when you get a chance. And this tweet is from 2020. Uh, what was the exact date? July July 21st, 2020. So right that smack in the middle of the pandemic. Um, and uh, Elon Musk tweeted out and said, uh, at some point, I think, uh, yeah, there we go. Perfect. At some point, we should do, probably do advertising as art communication entertainment and to support high quality media. This, again, is back from 2020, July 21st. Now, I do think so. So what's interesting about that tweet is that there is a willingness, I believe. And then there's also a, a sort of a, another tweet before that better to put the money into the product than sales and marketing, right? And so now we sort of have an idea of how the company's thinking about this. And, and this is sort of well understood with companies that follow it, but you know, Elon Musk himself is very much into, hey, make the product as good as possible. You know, Let's not worry about sales and marketing, but at some point, Tesla should probably do some sort of advertising 
which based on the description that he's giving is kind of unique. It's done as sort of an art piece or instead of a, you know, a freaking horse running down a field of flowers and a person with a beer is like, buy this car. I don't know. You know, I don't know how advertisers come with half the commercials that they do, but you know what I'm talking about. I, I, so the, the question becomes like, you know, is, is to, to what Hans basically said, is now the right time? Is now the right time. I am not convinced that now is the right time, to be completely honest. I think there's still a long way to go before advertising in any sort of sense really becomes uh, key and driving it, even in an educational manner. Even though it's important to have that, I still feel like we're not there yet. Uh, and the reason why is uh, if we pull up the first link mm -hmm. on the private chat, um, uh, producer wife, it's uh, so this is a sort of inventory page. Uh, it's not really a one-to-one -one relationship to how much inventory Tesla actually has in the in the fleet. It's more like least listings of of vehicles on Tesla's website. Mm -hmm. So look at the new Model Y inventory levels. So this is just for the United States, but I think it's a proxy that kind of tells you how the car is doing. And Jeff Lutz, uh, very great resource on Twitter, sort of has been talking about this as well. This is Model Y in inventory quote-unquote in the united states mm -hmm. new listings but you can see that ever since 419 uh 418-ish the inventory has been uh, basically plummeting in the united states ever since they did the latest round of, of price decreases and why is this important model y is going to be uh, about 60 percent or more of tesla's total volume in 2023 mm -hmm. and it's it's best-selling product is still selling like hotcakes. And so any advertising or educational sort of um, thing that Tesla is going to do is going to impact this equation right here. Sort of Tesla's best-selling yep. product is going to get impacted by that education and, uh, and marketing and advertising. And then if Tesla's long-term goal is to create as many affordable cars as humanly possible so that as many people as humanly possible can buy an EV, then wouldn't you say that it just seems like now is not the right time? Don't we need a lot more inventory and a lot more uh, cars out there, production. you know, production before we do that? Mm -hmm. So I just want to throw that out there. I'm, I'm curious to see what, what you guys think. Well, let me make the counter argument from Emmett's perspective, which is a very strong counter argument there. You know, one of the challenges in being able to sell EVs is definitely going to be education. Like you said, the there's not a whole lot of production that's available. And at these lower prices, obviously, Tesla can sell through. Um, but we've seen a lot of the other vehicle manufacturers are struggling to sell their EVs at prices that aren't just ridiculous losses. So if you want to look at GM discontinuing the Bolt, um, you know, stagnating inventories on the Lightning, uh, the amount of time that a Mach-E sits on the lot compared to a Model Y, all these things, um, you know, the Polestar 2 is basically priced at the level of a Model S, but maybe not necessarily competitive with the Model S in terms of specs. Uh, it's just pretty difficult, at least here in the North American market. And then, you know, at varying degrees in other parts of the world for other manufacturers to produce compelling electric vehicles. And we've seen this. So Tesla is by far 
the only EV manufacturer with the gross margins necessary to support doing the type of public education campaign that needs to be done. And they almost are in a moral imperative position from the standpoint of the mission, advancing the world's advent or the accelerating the advent of sustainable energy for the world to do that education piece so that other players, whether they're auto manufacturers or just renewable companies of various types, can focus their energy on being able to create products that are compelling and competitive on their own right without necessarily having to fork over that large piece of marketing spend. Um, and so, you know, if we want, Elon has consistently said that he wants other auto manufacturers to be around. He doesn't want GM to die. He doesn't want Chevy to die. Um, he doesn't want Ford to die. Like he wants as many producers to be making electric vehicles. If Tesla's only going to make 20 million in 2030 and everybody else is bankrupt, that's not good for anybody's auto market. And so, um, you know, if you want those legacy companies to be able to make something that is competitive in the marketplace and you want to create as much opportunity for startups like Lucid and Rivian to survive, then doing like taking the high road and being the one willing to engage in these education campaigns seems like the thing that's necessary for the mission. It's the most altruistic and in service of the most number of people. Um, it's definitely not the thing that's going to lead to the maximum amount of profits for Tesla shareholders. And so this is kind of one of those areas where we can just look and see, okay, we say that this is the mission and then Tesla's interests personally are over here and they're kind of in conflict with one another. And so how's all of this going to play out? And it still may not even play out right now, but I think Tesla is going to need to do that at some point. And I would prefer it to be sooner rather than later. Maybe. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I think that it's it's um, it's good for the mission. It might not be good for Tesla right now, but it's it's completely in line with the mission. And mm -hmm. also, I mean, it takes a while for people to change their mindset. People have a lot of prejudice about EVs, uh, but when I mean, if we if we think that Tesla on average uh, increases it production with 50%, there not that many years because before there are a lot of cars to sell. And when the co compact comes, um, we're going to need a big demand. So I think that it's a good thing to start. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think the the interesting point that was brought up is that it's it's aligned with the mission. So sort of like maximizing the educational aspect of of getting folks on the same page with electric vehicles and just how much more efficient they are, how safe they are, how not dangerous they are, how reliable they are, how fun they are to drive, right? Regardless of who makes it, these are mm -hmm. uh, consistently uh, correct uh, identifiers of an electric vehicle versus a gas car competitor. It doesn't matter if it's a Honda Ionic 5 yeah. or the Kia EV6 or the Tesla Model Y or a, At least a competitive uh, one. Exactly. At least a competitive one. Right. So I, I think from that standpoint, I can actually really resonate with that argument. And I think that makes sense. I do wonder, though, 
you know, why why should Tesla be the one that bears that responsibility? And why not allow the rest of the market to do that marketing for you, which they already have been doing? You know, we see Ford commercials for EVs. We see GM commercials mm -hmm. for EVs. You know, there was this one video of, of the BYD. I don't know if you guys saw it on Twitter, but there was this one... Uh, <laughs> so silly there was a byd car and they had a girl jump roping in front of it you know to and i was like that i guess works for somebody <laughs> so you know so so it's it's like there's other companies out there doing it you know it, it and then there's also this other uh variable too with the investing sort of the investing community and also the retail community but then folks that are in this ev social media landscape like your Sawyer Merritt making that commercial on Twitter or mm -hmm. that other person that was making that commercial on Twitter. What's fascinating there is that there seems to be an ecosystem for some ecosystem for somebody to say, okay, well, if Tesla's not going to do it or, or GM's not going to do it and Ford's not going to do it in the way that it's very educational and awesome, then I'm just going to do it and it's going to be a kick-ass thing and it's going to be awesome and I'm going to do it out of a labor of love and I'm going to throw it out mm -hmm. there and maybe I'll monetize it you know, as an individual. And so I wonder if there's like an opportunity for folks out there to do that on their own, you know, and, and to go out there, maybe, maybe, and this is just me speculating, maybe sort of Tesla stance as well, if you really want to go out there and get it, and if you do a great job, you'll get paid for it. Mm -hmm. oh, you keep, you get to keep 100% of the profits. You know, I wonder how much of that, that is that also in there. Yeah. Strategy is that well, yes, it may be a great way to get the content created, but at this point, all that content already exists, like we said, because people have done exactly that. And they, they have, a lot of them have made money doing it uh, and been compensated fairly. And so that's great. The problem is the way that social media works and the way that the internet works, all that content has already been seen by all the people that those people can reach. They've maxed out their distribution. It's not going so, outside the bubble. This yeah, you saying. have to get it outside. You, you need those pieces of content in front of new eyeballs that are on different distribution platforms. Um, and so the only way to do that at scale is for someone to pay to put it in front of those people's eyeballs. We've basically got all the organic reach that we're going to get. Um, and, you know, it's not feasible for individuals to pay to educate prospective Tesla customers that they can't reach organically to then go and buy a Tesla that, you know, it'd be one thing, you know, it, one thing that Tesla could do very easily is a, you know, on referral basis, if you refer someone and they use your referral code when they purchase a vehicle, if you get even, you know, a hundred dollars for that referral, you've just created the possibility to close that loop. So someone could pay, you know, if they can get their content in front of new eyeballs for $30 and that ends up creating a sale and then they make a hundred dollars from Tesla. Now the financial incentive is there and it exists, but without something like that to compensate a decentralized web of marketing people, then the other alternative is for Tesla to pay to just go to the traditional channels and put out whether they're putting out material that has been generated by the community or material that's been generated by Tesla itself. It still has to reach that new person. And Tesla ends, needs to be the one at the end of the day paying somebody to get that message in front of those new people. Um, and then 
as far as the so why should tesla go ahead and take on the responsibility of paying for all this marketing um i would say besides just the fact that it is something that advances the mission and it's the most inclusive way to advance the mission and kill the least number of people also politically expedient you know if you can show all of the governments that you're trying to do business with and all of the municipalities and everything hey like we are actively engaged in trying to create the best ecosystem for sustainable energy and environmentally friendly products um you know, I think that goes a long way in just increasing your public perception, decreasing regulatory risks, decreasing um, actions by governmental agencies that could be harmful to Tesla. So I think having the best possible public image with the most number of people not only helps the mission and helps those other companies survive, but it also helps Tesla to be more robust as it moves into a phase where it is going to be a giant company that is going to be easy for people to take pot shots at and want to come against, like we've already seen for the last year. Let me. Yeah. <clears throat> you said before, why, why shouldn't we let Ford and GM uh, do the commercials like they do? In in Sweden or in Europe, I think we have so many more models. I see tons of EV commercials all the time, and they say absolutely nothing. They're like the horse on the field. Uh, you see a fast, cool car, and they might tell you how much uh, range it has. It says nothing that that teaches you anything about EVs. Um, so they're just plain, traditional, boring uh, commercials. Uh, and I don't think that's what's needed, not for the mission. Um, yeah. And I think so, that, okay, why, why should Tesla do it? We should do it because we're different. We're different. We are the only company with a, you see, I'm seeing we now. We're the only company with a mission. Which other company puts out a master plan for how to save the earth? No yeah. one. That's yeah, why I mean, we should pay. Yeah, but... Let me let me take a, another side. So so all all of these points seem kind of obvious, you know? Like like so doesn't that mean that like the like the for example, the the ed educational stuff. It's obvious that if Tesla does something like that, it's probably going to be very different. It's going to be done in a very innovative way and it's going to be just like everything else they do. Uh, same thing with the referral program. Talk about a low-hanging fruit. You have already opened up your supercharger network to everybody else. Why wouldn't you do something similar with existing customers to try and get more sales in, in some sort of similar manner? So so what, what are signals that are out there that are preventing Tesla from doing this? You know, like, why wouldn't they do this? And, that, and that's kind of where I'm like, that's because it seems obvious <laughs> that if if they did this it would stoke a lot of demand and it would be extremely helpful so why haven't they you know why because haven't elon they? has painted himself into a corner where he says he doesn't want ads so now he can't say oh now oh, that's I want not true ads. but that's not true well no the, i know yeah, i know it's that tweet yeah i yeah. know but several other times he said the opposite i don't know but i mean they could do something simple one of the prejudice against evs are that if you is that if you uh, 
it's not good because if you charge your car with bad electricity, it's still not good for the environment. And now we read that 100% of the charging network, Tesla's, it's renewable energy. If you go to a, a supercharger, I mean, I don't have a Tesla, I've never been. Is Does it say anywhere that it's 100% renewable energy? No. Now Tesla is open up, opening up almost all chargers in Europe and a lot in the States are open to other brands. Why not have signs at the supercharger stations that says all this energy is green? But but again, why hasn't that seems obvious. Why haven't they yeah. done that? I don't why know. They, because they're not right? as smart as we are. <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> My God. Elon, if you're watching this, bro. Come on now. <laughs> Elon is thinking about more advanced things than this, I guess. <laughs> I Hans, hope so. What are you what are you thinking about this, Hans? I think it goes back to earlier his focus and Tesla's focus really is the technical challenges right now. And that yeah. um other than they did have a very robust referral program earlier on in the company's history. Other than that, this just is not an in-house competency, and it really is something that needs to be, like, there needs to be someone who is passionate about this, who's within the company, who can champion it, and have the full support of Elon Musk. And I, this is one of the areas where I would say, I think Elon has too much on his plate right now to really give a whole lot of mental energy to starting something new within Tesla that does need its own focus. And we just have to face it. Elon is very, very, very sensitive in particular to anything that touches the public that relates to Tesla. And so what I have a hard time, like I just have a hard time imagining Tesla allowing somebody else to run Tesla marketing without him being intimately involved with each and every detail of it. And I don't think he has the personal bandwidth to do that right now. Um, and so that's where I think we're really in the pickle. And I think that's why it doesn't exist today. So I don't, I don't, I, I personally disagree with that. I think it's more about, it's not on the list of priorities uh, still because of, of the data sets that, might be available for them and the overarching mission of the company. And so I, I really do think that even though. Well, this is where even, I would agree with you that I think that's probably true. And this is what I think that the lack of data about the current market conditions impact on other people's like I, I think the data that they're looking at tells them that and I think that that data is incomplete because it does not take into account that without them taking on this responsibility sooner rather than later they really are at the risk of driving a lot of companies that are necessary to advance this overall mission over the long term to bankruptcy mm. but I but I still think that the there's still something to be said around the the cost of the car. <laughs> and I hate to bring this up. The cost of the car is ultimately what's the most important thing here by far. It's going to be the cost of the car. 
by far. I, and agreed. so yes, if if the DNA if the DNA of the company is we're going to advance the the avenue of sustainable transport and we're really going to make sure that everybody that's is that can possibly afford a car can then thinking about marketing something that they think is not yet ready to be marketed in that respect it kind of like puts it so far in the back burner that it becomes basically forgotten it almost becomes like a like we might see it as a crutch and say like this is a terrible strategy for a company who's public whose mm -hmm. goal is to return uh uh give returns to investors and then i think tesla's viewpoint is well we don't really care what you think our goal is mm -hmm. to get the cars as cheaply as humanly as, as cheap as humanly possible and until we don't do the right thing we're not going to do something that traditional companies do because we're not traditional companies and so i think through that lens uh, again, feel free. To, I, mm -hmm. I, I could be one hundred percent wrong on this. No, I one hundred percent agree yeah. that that is yeah. their perspective. Yeah. Yeah. And so, uh, unless unless that changes, then I think the the advertising discussion is going to be an, an interesting one. And I think framing it around education is a lot more powerful, and I think it makes a lot more sense. Mm -hmm. And so it it becomes like a when will Tesla start to educate the public? on why electric vehicles in general are simply a better purchase than a than a gas car regardless if it's a tesla or not and they'll obviously showcase their technology uh and i think that will happen in my opinion once they feel like they have the production that can uh, uh support that uh campaign as limited as it may be uh because i think once it's out there you know, you guys, you guys brought it up. You talk to people that aren't aware with EVs, mm -hmm. and the, you know, Mimi, you brought up the whole. People don't even know you can charge it at the house. We're just that's like the peak of the iceberg. <laughs> mm -hmm. You know, yeah. there's yeah. so much more out there. You know, so mm -hmm. I wonder, I wonder how much of this conversation is kind of like, you know, Tesla's gonna Tesla, Elon's gonna Elon. They they they're always focused on, really on 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 things that are just non traditional that are not like. Like typical companies wouldn't do. Like t t uh, GM is not going to use a lack of advertising as a forcing function to get the cost of the cars down. They're going to be like, okay, how can I sell this piece of shit for as much money as humanly possible, right? <laughs> like, and I'm not talking mm -hmm. about the Maki. I'm talking about like the Pinto. Okay, so and same thing with everybody else. But that's how traditional companies work. They're they're backwards, right? It's mm -hmm. it's the it's the dog wagging the tail instead of the tail wagging the dog, right? Um, yep. Oh, sorry, it's the tail wagging the dog instead of the dog wagging the tail. There we go. Um, yeah, so I don't know if you guys have any any thoughts around that, but I just feel like that's that's where we are. You know, that's where we are with this whole thing, mm -hmm. and I don't know if it's ever going to change. Um, I think I, I will have to start to agree with Emmett now. So maybe <laughs> we should do something ourselves. I think it would be so fun. It would be so fun to try. I mean, just yeah. to see what would happen. So, 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 what if the thing that happens puts Tesla again in this position where the wave, all the work they've done for the wave, goes out the wayside, and now it's like a, you know, I also wonder too is like how much of this is just bringing sales forward that were going to happen, that was going to happen anyway once the production is up to par to where they need to be. So it's like we want to realize the profits now as investors, but are we just bringing them forward when you know when this clearly becomes a at some point, it's going to be undeniable that this is electric mm -hmm. vehicles are just so much better, right? So, how much of it is just bringing it forward versus actually truly increasing the TAM? I don't know. I, 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 these are thoughts I struggle with myself. 
Well, to go, I, I want to go back a little bit to it. The perspective that Elon has that we've talked about that, you know, they just want to focus on the cost of the product. They don't want to do anything the same way that traditional companies have done at its core. That is a, an ethos that is hostile to traditional companies. And that is a great ethos to have, especially, you know, very much the culture of Silicon Valley, the ethos that you have to have to get started on a brand new thing that's going to disrupt the way that things are done. But once you reach a certain scale, you need to be aware of the impacts of that hostility because like I to take it back a little bit earlier, that hostility at the size and scale that they are now can result in mass casualties for traditional for companies that do do things the traditional way. And so if we need companies that do things the traditional way to participate in the transition to a sustainable energy economy, then we cannot do everything that we do from the standpoint of being completely hostile to traditional companies. We have to figure out a way to work with them and to incorporate them into the overall mission. And so, I mean, this is an opportunity to start to take that into an account. And like I said, if we, the more casualties there are at a higher and higher level, the more anti-Tesla sentiment that creates and the more backlash against the company. And this is an opportunity to go ahead and get ahead of that. And instead of creating ill will by disrupting companies and causing bankruptcies, it can create positive will by helping other people who do want to, you know, Lucid and Rivian are great companies that do want to accelerate the advent of sustainable energy and they could really use a hand up. Um, and, you know, those are small disruptive companies, but the same can be said for Ford and Polestar and GM and these companies as well. Maybe. No, I'm saving. I'm thinking. You go ahead. Okay. <laughs> okay. Could you imagine being a Tesla bear and listening into this conversation? And they're going to be like, these people legitimately think that this conversation is around Tesla's advertising to save other companies. How delusional are these people, right? Yep. Like, I can, oh, I can totally just hear high. it. Yeah. I love it. But I think I had the craziest idea that all brands should be co do commercials together for EVs. That would be awesome. That, yeah, wouldn't that be awesome? Kind of like everybody, like, like it's kind of like, uh, didn't Coke and Pepsi do something like that? Or was it McDonald's and Burger King? I forget who it was, but like two companies, American companies, were doing like tag team ads on something. I forget what it was on. That would be really cool. That would be really mm -hmm. cool. You know, that's kind of like a way of, of doing that. Sort of like, hey, like we're all, all in this together. You know, I do wonder how much of the if that's going to alienate maybe part of the customer base, because it's like, we're doing this together to save the planet and like it or not. That's something that at least in, in America, some people are like, I'm never going to buy your thing. Cause all you want to do is save the planet. Yeah. The planet is fine. Screw you. Right. So I, you know, but it, I do. It depends it on whether or not that's the focus. If you could just say like, if you can sell the car based on the merits of how it's better in almost every way in user yeah. experience, instead of impact, 
you know, and then market those different things to different channels of people. Then and you those people wouldn't that. buy an EV anyway. Um, they might, they might. I think, I think there is something to be said about one of the underestimated aspects I think of an EV is that it does allow an individual to be truly independent from a, an mm -hmm. energy standpoint where you're completely non-reliant on other countries or other uh, or organizations or corporations yeah. or governments. Yeah, yeah. And that resonates, I think, with a certain type of individual that wants to be completely off the grid and 100% self-sustaining. Mm -hmm. EVs are the only thing that yeah. will allow you to do that from a transportation yeah. perspective. You generate yep. your own energy and then you power your own freaking car. And you don't got to worry about those damn people and, you know, wherever they are, not liking <laughs> what we like and screw the Russians and the, you know, people from the Middle mm -hmm. East, so on and so forth. Right. So I can resonate with that. And I think <laughs> yeah, that, yeah. That is, that's a good point. That's a, that's a powerful statement. And it's yeah. and the other very big underrated. One, yeah. The other big one is having a software defined vehicle experience that actually is modern and continues to improve. Instead of getting in your 2023 legacy OEM car and having buttons and knobs and, you know, can I even get it to connect to my phone decently or not? And all of the frustrations of the incredibly antiquated software experience of even the most modern luxurious of vehicles. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll say everything except that it's good for the environment. Basically, every, everybody will <laughs> would love we love it. Uh, yeah, um, I was thinking about something. Well, you go ahead. I was going to say, isn't? I do wonder if the reason why maybe we haven't seen a lot of investment in this could it just be that Tesla is like Cybertruck is our advertising campaign. Just wait for it. I'll be out in three months. How much of that do you think mm -hmm. is part of the equation? For the states, yeah, but here, no. Why not? You think that everyone in Europe who will never see anyone in real life will be more excited about you having a lot driving around in in mm -hmm. the States? We can see them now on, on movies on Twitter and YouTube. So send so some over here and then we can talk. <laughs> well, let, let me ask you this. You don't think that having this thing as part of like the zeitgeist and sort of the media landscape? Absolutely. Of, you know, absolutely. It will, yeah, it will do something though. Yeah. Or it will, yes, it will not absolutely. Do. Okay. I mean, this is a super cool. Some think it's hideous, but everyone has an opinion, mm -hmm. and everyone will talk about it. And um, absolutely, it will do a lot. I think. Uh, but I think it's also back to what Hans was talking about earlier that it's really important that all these other companies start producing cars. Right now, the prediction is that in twenty fifty. For 47, we're going to have more EVs than ICE cars. 2050? 2050. Like the fleet. The fleet. Mm. the fleet. And if we look at Elon's uh, master plan, the goal there for those goals, that's 2050. Mm. So mm -hmm. something has to speed up a lot for that to happen. Mm -hmm. So we can't afford having big companies going bankrupt. They have to ramp up their production. Because Tesla won't be enough. Hans? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <He's> like, <"Yep." laughs> By the way, I don't know what you did with your lighting, but you, you look great today. 
Usually you, you look great, but today you look extra great. <laughs> yeah, I'm envious. Yeah. It takes <laughs> a lot of work. On. It's taken months to get all of this stuff figured out. It's a pain in the ass. I'm sitting I in my living it. room and now it's light. I, I've moved lamps. So I have lamps on a table before me to get some light <laughs> and not only the ghost white light from the computer. I don't, I have the, I have an office upstairs, but my husband says that, no, I can't occupy that in case he will need his three, three screens in there. So I'm stuck in the living room. Oh man. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I am quite excited to see what Cybertruck is going to do. I think yes. it sounds kind of mm -hmm. wild that we're so damn close to it now. It's next quarter, y'all. It's next yeah. quarter. Hopefully. You know, Hans is, Hans is, no, you, you don't think so? <laughs> yes. Maybe. Well, I uh, never, I never think, I never believe anything mm -hmm. until I see it when it comes to Tesla's <laughs> time. Yeah. Uh, so the thing that I need to do on this um, is to plot, and this is something that I kind of have been thinking that I need to do for a while now and haven't finished. I need to plot. You know, they've been growing like quarter over quarter, 4680 production at like 40 to 50 percent recently, which is a crazy exponential. Um, so, yeah, I, I need to plot that and see where that puts us um, for battery production necessary to ramp the Cybertruck. And it's hard to estimate since we don't know the exact pack size yet. Um, 40 or Cybertruck is going to be a battery consuming monster. Um, and yeah, the question is, is there going to be a 2170 variant of the structural pack for the Cybertruck or not? If not, and it relies entirely on 4680 ramp, it definitely makes me question the timeline. I think we're on decent track for it, but I think that the end of Q3 or really saying volume production in 2024 depends on a lot of things going right for 4680 ramp if we don't have a 2170 pack version um and so i just don't know and you know we've seen a lot of things that management has said recently and this was you know a lot of people are are rightly concerned with the things that we've heard from management on quarterly earnings call recently that have not come to pass and then we haven't gotten revisions in guidance before new earnings calls like hey if you said we're going to have 20 percent plus auto gross margins zach and then they come in at 18 and you wait like you knew that before the earnings call you could have revised that guidance for us before the call and as shareholders that's what you know at least experienced investors would expect from Tesla. Um, so it creates questions about the timeline on things like Cybertruck. And I 100%, like my long-term investing self, it doesn't matter if it's Q3, if it's Q4 that they start. And then, you know, is volume production something that we're ramping in the first half of 2024, the back half, really even the first half of 2025? Um, it's just going to be an incredible product. There's not going to be anything that can compete with it and so overall i am not at all worried about the investment case for tesla based on my time horizons and my risk tolerances um but yeah i, I don't know that it's going to happen in 2024 at yeah, the level of it, volumes that people are expecting at least 
my conversation with Corey earlier this week, I think it was a Monday. Um, another great, great conversation. Treasure, dude. He's amazing. He's incredible. Mm-hmm. Monroe team is insane. Um, in a good way, by the way. Insane is good. <laughs> um, he he alluded to the fact that Cybertruck will have 2170 in some respect, especially if they want to sort of, they're, they're going to have to do it if they want to hit those production targets that sort of people are putting out there, especially into next year. Um, but I do wonder if maybe we'll just see a situation where they'll just go real slow to start. You know, they'll do mm-hmm. a thousand units in 23 and maybe 10,000 units in the uh, first half of 24. Um, I do, I do wonder. Um, it seems like Tesla during ramps of major technologies. So if you remember back, if you were an investor back in 2018 timeframe ish, and you were following the model three Ram closely, there was like a string of like five quarterly earnings that Tesla's guidance was so bad. <laughs> mm-hmm. It was, so bad and that was like around the time where uh elon's like screw questions from the investing community let's go (laughs) (laughs) it was right in the middle of that and i think it i think it's a reflection of just how aspirational and uh aggressive tesla is around timelines and wanting to hit targets especially Mm -hmm. during the ramp but they're just they 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 shoot too too high and even when they think they're being conservative they're still missing Again, but this is like a short, medium-term thing, right? I think Hans's point of long-term, mm-hmm. yeah, long-term, who cares? Like, no one else is doing this. So by the when it gets vertical, it gets vertical, and then we're like, oh shit, it yeah. happened, right? <laughs> but it always yeah. happened later than we think. Um, but it's still fun to talk about. I, I do wonder if how much of Cybertruck's batteries will be twenty-one seventy in this case, and will there be any sort of uh, performance difference between the models? Uh, or, you know, will people hold out for the 4680 instead of the 2170? But I think, you know, if I'm putting my, you know, me in my shoes and obviously Cindy and I, producer wife and I will talk about this. But, you know, if there is rumors that it's 2170 instead of 4680, I don't care. I want that freaking truck. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I want to be the obnoxious guy going down the road and just ripping everybody apart uh, at the stoplight yeah. in a giant tank in the middle of Texas, literally. So why wouldn't I want that? <laughs> As soon as possible, you know. Well, and remember that the Plaid S uses the eighteen six fifty form factor, and a lot of that has to do with just the cooling load on running something at those levels of performance. And so we very well could see basically the Plaid, if it's not a Plaid, the Plaid-ish version of the Cybertruck uh, with twenty one seventy battery pack, simply for that reason alone, uh, which would definitely kind of ease their constraints. And, uh, you know, especially also if they're still working with a lower energy density version of the 4680 at that point in time, if they haven't made all the improvements necessary to go head to head with the 2170 on chemistry and, um, and energy density, then, yeah, you may want the 2170s for those higher performance vehicles. Mm-hmm. Maybe any thoughts there before we go on to your topic? Uh, no. Okay. Let's you make stage- commercials. Okay. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> that's that's my that's my answer to that. Uh, so there's a couple uh, images you shared with us. Mimi, do you want to sort of uh, frame the topic for us and then we'll deep dive it? And then after that one, we'll do Q&A. Yeah. No, I was just, I was reading the impact report and I was looking into the numbers for, for um, 
us to become a, a a planet with only renewable resources and when you read that the impact report it sounds so uh, easy and then i was starting to to um, to look into numbers for different countries and how fast can we change and is it doable and then i came across now i don't even remember cindy can just pit, put up one of them yeah here we can see now i have to make so i can see what i'm looking at Hold on. So per, per yeah. capita energy from fossil fuels, yeah. nuclear and renewables by country. Yeah. So Canada is the worst. And then United States and Australia. You see, we we consume a lot here in Sweden, but luckily not so much from fossil fuels. So United States use today uh, one sixth of all energy. And if we look at Oh, fantastic. Well done, Sunday. So you can see. <laughs> uh, so it's a lot. If we look today, it's a lot. And only one third of that fossil fuel energy is actually energy that is usable, according to the... Because the rest is just waste heat. heat. Yeah. And it's it's completely ridiculous. And... and uh, take, will you please take the next one? Can she hear me? Yeah, she can hear you. Yeah. Yeah, so now it's a little big. So I found this, this is really neat because when I have my solar panels, I can go in every minute and see exactly what kind of energy we have in our grid. And I can get that from almost all the countries. So here we see Europe and North America. So and help me understand what calling 10 centet is <laughs> it's 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 uh, grams of uh, co2 it's the it's the carbon uh, equivalent per uh, how much carbon yes per kilowatt yeah. hour so the darker brown you are the worse so if we look at europe we only have one two areas but it's poland poland they have coal 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 a lot of coal um up in Scandinavia and Iceland, we have a lot of uh, hydropower, and France, that are also green, have a lot of nuclear. But then if we go to uh, North America, uh, we can see that Canada, they have uh, some provinces, and also Yukon, which you can see here, they're green. They're actually the best. Sweden, Norway, and Canada are the greenest. But there are also very many areas that are very, very dark. And how are we going to change that? What is needed for the United States to change into a more renewable? Because it has to do with not just building. It has to do with people, how they use energy. Yeah. I'll give you a very easy answer. Cost. As long as as long as it's cheaper to use a renewable energy versus coal and, and oil, America will be the first one to get on that train because you can squeeze out way more profits as a business by generating less co less cost on energy versus everything else. So really what, what yeah. needs to happen is uh, and this is where Tesla, I think, in the ha has has a play here as a company that's going to allow the United States to be less reliant on other countries for fossil fuel. And, and oil and, and gas and all these things. It's going to allow uh, the country to become energy self-sufficient, truly, 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 yeah. truly. Um, 
that's what's going to flip the the stage for the states. Uh, Hans, do you, do you agree with that statement as a fellow Texan? A hundred percent. Yeah, a hundred percent. And you know, looking at the map, it was cool to see that. Hey, at least here in Texas, I know that we're yellow. We're not quite green, so not bad. Bring it up but again. We're also um, we're also adding the most amount of solar in the country, um, even. Yeah at a faster rate than California is. And so hopefully we'll be green in the not too distant future. And I think, you know, this is one of of those areas where, yes, we have a lot of wind. Um, We have a lot of just empty parts of the state that have very few people. Um, And then a lot of those places do happen to be very windy. And so they're, they're great places to put wind farms. Um, California is similar. They've got quite a bit of wind there. Overall, I think this is one of the places where if we could get a little bit more of a unified push from the government to at least reduce regulatory hurdles and um, set consistent incentives across the country, then we could help get that cost variable down as quickly as possible so if we removed subsidies for a lot of the oil and gas generation and at least forced uh, like this was a conversation we're having earlier if all of the public utilities were required to buy back electricity from residential solar owners at the same price that they pay for it as long as they didn't produce more than you know 10 or 20 percent above their yearly annual usage so that they're not creating too much of a burden on the utility to manage that electricity the economics are so there you know if if i got paid at the rate that i have to buy electricity when i do produce a surplus my solar system would pay for itself in a heartbeat. And there's a lot of places around the country where that would be true, but individual utilities don't want to manage being your extra battery that buffers your usage um, based on when you're producing the energy versus when you're using it. And so either some incentives need to be set up for them at the utility scale to put storage in or um, there needs to be some sort of federal incentives to help offset the cost of putting residential batteries in place. But something like that would pull forward our, when we talk, our cost when we, piece. When we talked about solar panels before we went live, you asked uh, if I sold electricity. But I, what do you do if you don't sell electricity and you don't have a battery? What happens? This is probably a really you just have to sh- question. You have to shut down the panels. Like yeah, just you have to off shut them down. Yeah. yeah, because I think that is so absurd that it's not that you don't get paid for your electricity from renewable sources. I mean, that's mm-hmm. contraproductive for, yeah, it's really stupid. It, um, so this is where Matt would be helpful, but it is a very difficult thing to manage, you know, because a lot of the electricity that's being produced by solar at that point in time is you know it's being produced when it's not needed and so it needs to be stored so that 
it can be, you know, the load can be matched on the grid for when everyone gets home at five or six o'clock and turns on their air conditioners and their ovens and their microwaves and all that stuff. Um, and so it's really just that time arbitrage between generation and usage. But for example, we've got a little elect or a very small, um, it's rural electric community something anyways. Um, uh, oh, it's a co-op, <clears throat> and they actually generate a huge portion of their electricity from solar. They just installed a big solar farm as part of their co-op, and yet, even though they're generating most of their energy with solar, they will not compensate homeowners at a one-to-one -one rate when they produce a surplus, and so it's like, they have the infrastructure in place to manage that time arbitrage already. They had to put it in when they put that generation in, and yet they refuse to offer homeowners a one-to-one -one credit for energy production. So it's frustrating. I think this is where Tesla has a unique advantage um, because they're they're one of the biggest, at least in the United States, they are one of the very few and by far the biggest player that can provide the systems that would allow this to sort of happen. And then yes. the bigger they grow and they better, you know, you can already kind of mm -hmm. see this play out with uh, Elon Musk sort of meeting with more and more government officials. It's becoming a little bit more public. I think sort of this is might be a uh, early stages of getting some of the I don't want to call lobbying, but it's probably a little bit of that from Tesla's perspective to really start setting up the foundation for the United States to become much more closely aligned like a Sweden where you can't be your own utility in a sense uh, up to a certain point and then leverage solar and the batteries at your house to make the entire system way more efficient and way cheaper for everybody. Uh, it's the, the complexity is the the sheer size, like we talked about, of the United States makes it very difficult to do this at the federal level because no one can agree on anything, especially now. Uh, and God knows what's going to happen with this presidential election coming up next year. And this, uh, who knows what's going to happen there? It's going to be entertaining. That's for damn sure, at least. Uh, but it, it will be interesting to see how this plays out over time. But I do think Tesla's uniquely positioned mm -hmm. to to take advantage of of whatever's going to happen. Did you did you see the poll on Twitter? Um, if people thought that Elon should be the moderator of the presidential debate, really? <laughs> <laughs> no, I hope it's a no. <laughs> Oh, think, it wasn't you know, Elon. It wasn't Elon who asked. It was some some some, uh, some other person. All respect yeah, to Elon Musk, but he'd be the last person. Really? As, him as moderating? <laughs> well, I think that as long as they have a moderator who tells them to shut up when they are interrupting, Joe they Rogan. should just mute them. Mm -hmm. Joe, Joe Rogan. Oh, yeah, yeah, but he's that would never person. happen. No, I love mm -hmm. Joe Rogan. You don't mm -hmm. like Joe Rogan? No, I don't. I don't. Why? Well, you can understand I don't. My God, he's everything that I don't like. What do you mean? Oh, no, he's too uh, He's too conservative for my taste. He's very too liberal. Rude. You think he's very liberal? He's extremely liberal, yeah. Yeah. Oh, Have you listened okay. to his podcast? He's, so yeah, there's yeah, different... Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, he's, he's probably not he's like a Swedish liberal. <laughs> That's very he's, liberal. Very anti-establishment liberal, which is different than yes, yeah, individual rights, yeah, 
I think that I've I've liked some of the podcasts, but some of them no, no, I'm not sure. Yeah. But but I think he's a good. I mean, yeah, he would probably be good because it needs to be someone with. Oh, I I get so sick and tired when those debates give absolutely nothing because they just yeah. shout at each other. Yeah. I mean, if they're gonna do a thing where it's you know, debate in 30 minutes, it doesn't matter who moderates it, it's going to be absolute crap. Like, it needs to be on Joe Rogan's podcast where it's like five hours and then they actually get to get down in the weeds. And instead of getting, you know, zinger one-liners, we actually understand how they think and what they want to do. 100%. Producer wife in the private chat, Rogan pod is too much testosterone for me. Yes, I was just (laughs) going to reply to her. Thank you, Cindy. I agree. That's why I love it. <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> it's like it's like the greatest man podcast of all time. I freaking love Joe Rogan so much. All right. No, okay, um, you one from Sweden is complaining that we're not all the same. No, we're not all the same in Sweden. <laughs> no, we're not. Let's. Uh, do we want to hit anything else before we go to uh, Q and A from from our beautiful community? Hans, anything from your side? Um, we could probably touch this briefly. So I just have been thinking recently about tesla stock and the place that we're in not to make predictions or anything but just reflecting on both the conversation that you and i had farzad um in the interview that i just posted the other day but also some of the things i've been seeing on twitter that the really large parabolic moves in tesla it seems like there are two and one of them was in 2013 and then the other one was the 2020 2021 run and when i think about okay what catalyzed both of those movements it is tesla's entry into a completely new market segment for the first time with the s and then the three where you see the beginning of a whole new TAM being opened up. and But not only entering in with the products, but once you see those first products being the S and the 3, really show bottom line profits flowing through in the financial statements. Um, and so it's not necessarily when the 3 was launched, but it's after the 3 starts to reach scale and you see the profitability coming through and then the same for model s um and then after those periods of re-rating then you get long periods of consolidation that are very volatile up and down um but it made me realize that i think that the market actually their initial reaction to those products and those new markets being opened up um is very optimistic that Tesla gets a lot of credit for the ultimate market share that they're going to take in that new market segment, whether that's luxury vehicles for the S and the X. Like basically the success of the X was baked in at the huge stock movement when the S showed profitability. And then likewise, a lot of the success of the Y is already baked in to the expectations of investors with the stock move in 2020 and 2021. Um, So just in thinking about that, it's like, okay, what is it going to take for us to see that next parabolic move? And 
it helped me to just zoom out from all the noise. Like, is it going to be, uh, what are all the little catalysts that are going to move the stock? Well, it doesn't, we can have all the little catalysts we want. The only catalyst that are really going to matter is huge profitability, making an impact in the financial statements by either FSD or Gen 3 platform or Megapack XL and energy. And then the other one that could be in there is Optimus. Uh, the timeline on that is just like, I don't expect that to happen before at least one, if not two of the Gen 3 platform, FSD and energy products. And so, you know, as someone who's got a lot of my net worth tied up in Tesla, that's just helping me to set my expectations for where we're at in the cycle and help me to dial out a lot of the noise around volatility in the short term. Great. Any thoughts yeah. there, maybe? I think they're excellent words to end with. I, I totally agree. Yeah. That's what I try to do too. Uh, I'm in it for the long term and uh, the market cares about money. They don't care about the mission. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's true. I think the, I a hundred percent agree. And I think that's why Tesla lowering the price on their vehicles as much as humanly possible to put cars out there where they can generate a profit with FSD with the flip of a switch is such a game changing move. And if you view it through that lens and then you think about, so wh what's the role in, at like, say like advertising or things like that, it's quite clear that maximizing the number of people that have a product that can generate software as a service revenue is definitely Tesla's next mm -hmm. uh, leg up as a stock, not financial advice. Because the 100% margin, <laughs> literally, it's 100% yep. margin. You you, yeah. you flip that switch and then you go. The The very curious thing is going to be, obviously, the timeline of this thing being, being released uh, and then regulatory hurdles are going to have what percentage of the, you know, what, what's this sort of uptake they're going to get? How much are people willing to pay for such service, you know? But I think for me specifically around FSD, and, and I keep bringing this up every every so often because it's it's just been so game changing. I've stopped driving. I have legitimately stopped driving in, in my region. I don't drive anymore. I the car drives, and then I from time to time I give it a little bit of help around areas by giving it a little bit more gas, or get get you know not this lane the other lane, and rarely do I have to say screw you. You know, like you're doing the wrong thing. I'm going to have to take over. Uh, I missed that message. <laughs> uh, hey, hey, guys, women love men with EVs. It's true. Why, it's true. That's why my wife, uh, my wife married me. <laughs> <laughs> she claims she, she learned about Tesla first, but I still don't believe her. I think it was me first, but it's okay. Um, so I, I think from that perspective, it's a matter of time. It's truly a matter of time. And then you have that within the context of everybody else. You know, BYD just, uh, <laughs> she's like, WTF, you had a Mazda. I did, but I knew about Tesla. Mazda 6. And it was stick, by the way, and it was a great car. I love that car. It was a really cool car. Slow as hell, but it handled great. Um, I lost my train of thought. Pull up the <laughs> Let's show the poll results here. We, we've been running a poll for the uh, for the entire stream around the topic of advertising. 
and now we're going to move into Q&A. So if you do have a question, definitely write question right before your comment and the producer wife will bring up only the best ones, which will be all of them. The question was, do you think Tesla should advertise? 57% say no, 42% say yes, and 1% do not exist. Uh, uh, 311 votes. Any, uh, Any thoughts on the results? It's actually closer in number like I expected it, especially in this audience, to be uh, much more to the no side. So, hey, maybe we were successful in convincing a few people to move over from the no to the yes. What do you think? Maybe any thoughts? Yeah, let's think that. That sounds positive. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I thought that would be more no. Mm. I, think, I think it sort of highlights... I think it highlights the... Maybe the 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 lived experiences of folks that own EVs or are a fan of EVs and what they hear from the you know from their friends and family and just being out in the wild and sort of the lack of understanding from the from many yeah and maybe that's you know and I think but I yeah the the education versus advertising and in what format it's so nuanced and complex right it's not so it's not like run an ad at the Super Bowl it's way more than that although they could do that and it could be quite mm-hmm. different so. Um, yeah, we'll see what, what Tesla decides to do. Okay, Q&A. Let's do Q&A for about uh, 15, 20 minutes here. And then after we wrap up, we'll go to our member-only stream, which you can do by joining the channel right below this video. Hans and Mimi are channel supporters, and that's why they're part of these discussions. And then we'll take it backstage, and we'll have our member-only discussion about whatever the community wants to talk about. And then half of the earnings from these community streams will be put in our community fund, where the community decides what they want to do with it. I keep saying ice cream, but it's not up to me. It's up to them right? Because it's y'all's fun, not mine. All right, let's go ahead and pull up the first question. Gino, community member. That's why he's got a nice little symbol. Thank you very much, Gino. Question, what functions, benefits do you think Tesla should advertise? Great question. Mimi, Hans, what do you guys think? Safety. Definitely safety, renewable energy and supercharger network and um, insurance. And if if you're not um, able to get insurance, the positive effects of the safety score. Mm. Hans? Yeah, I love all those. Um, Add in the software-defined car experience. Um, I would love to see Tesla get into captive financing, and then they can say, oh, and by the way, you can get a 2.99% loan on this vehicle. Um, I can do that in Sweden right now. I can buy a Tesla from Tesla with a 2.9% low. Whoa. That's yeah. awesome. Yep. I think Still the cost... can't afford it, but it's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think that is a great like if if they were to do that, I think that would be perfect. And really just harp on the cost per mile. It's so much cheaper. My model S that I bought. I paid about the same every year net to run that car versus my Mazda mm-hmm. six. Yeah. That's how, that's how yeah, cra- think, and it's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. The, maybe not even the cost per mile. What's your all in monthly cost. Yeah. You know, for those people, yeah. car buyers, we've had this discussion too, who are focused on like payment buyers. What can I afford to spend on my car each month and do an all in cost insurance, electricity, loan payment, all of it. And let people know, hey, like you can right now buy a Model 3 and spend the same on your vehicle that you would spend if you bought a brand new Toyota Camry. Yep. 
Yeah. Couldn't agree more. Next question. And Andreas, another community member. Thank you so much for your support. Question. That what do you think about Norwegian. <laughs> How would you know? With the last name? <laughs> Andreas Dalslet. I would think that it's Norwegian. It looks very Norwegian. Excuse I should just me let you wrong. I should let you pronounce the names from now on. These are way better than I do. <laughs> what what do you think about letting Mr. Beast get the first production Cybertruck? And let him make some videos with it. That would be completely insane. We know he's going to get one. Um, yeah, what do you guys think about that? That's actually kind of a strange idea. I, I kind of love it, but I, I don't know if they'll let people go out of order. Yeah, <laughs> considering how many followers he has, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that would be awesome. Yeah. I think the the uh, the one hurdle is that I think Tessa is quite... Uh, <laughs> yes, I'm Norwegian. There you go. See? Uh, your neighbor your neighbor um yeah. i think the the one hurdle would be tesla letting some of these cards go out of order but i'm totally for that like you know pick 10 and put them out of order put them at the top 10 you know and just have give him a pre-production car and then you oh, don't yeah. even have to yeah the technicalities go away Gift one them for the, him uh, and one for the next james bond yeah dude can you imagine like cannons like there's a like guns coming out of the freaking Oh my god, come on. If anyone's watching on the production crew of James, the next James Bond movie, head them oh, up. And Elon would 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 love to add some missiles in the back and everything. Of course. Yeah, of small course. rockets, whatever. Yeah. You know you know how he sometimes cameo cameos on like movies he was on the on like uh Iron Man and stuff. Maybe he's the one that like comes out with like sunglasses and starts like <laughs> <laughs> he's on the bed of the truck. I have a new friend. He's helping me do my things. Let's do the next question. Great idea, Andreas. Da Dashlet? How do you pronounce the last name? Dalslet. Dalslet. It means valley, valley and plain. So he comes from the land. Yeah. He, he's the okay, land. Nice. The land of Norway. Next question. And Adam, question. How do you pronounce that one? Question. What is the worst thing about uh, that would happen if they did choose to advertise? Likewise, what is the best thing? That's a great question. Um, how do you guys think about that? Well, I guess the worst thing is that they would uh, waste a lot of money. and they. But I don't see that argument. I mean, they have lots of money. They don't even spend all their money. Um, I don't know. If they did really bad ads, it would be terrible. But I don't think that could happen either. Um, the best thing is that more people understand why they want an EV. Hans? I would say the other potentially bad thing is that it could drive more demand than we have supply for in the short term and create another price spike that makes more EVs inaccessible. Um, so you do kind of have to modulate you know, how much advertising you do when so that you don't overly drive prices. But in a recessionary environment, I'm not too worried about that. Um, as far as the benefits, um, yeah, I think accelerate the advent of sustainable energy. Yeah. I think you nailed it. That That's super aligned with my thought process. Let's do the next question. And... Dominic Rebello, question. Will South Korea get a gigafactory or megafactory or neither or both or just one? 
<laughs> every, every permutation possible. Uh, just so you, so you guys uh, are aware, there was a meeting between Elon Musk and the president of South Korea, I believe, at the White House this week while Elon Musk was visiting the, the Washington, D.C. And uh, one of the <clears throat> this, uh, rumored discussions was that the South Korean president was asking Elon to consider building a gigafactory in South Korea to, uh, and then, you know, we get some perks and stuff. Um, uh, yeah, what do you guys think about that? Hans, you can start if you want to. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. I hope that we see something. I I don't really know enough about those locations. I know that we've seen, yeah, some uh, speculation that, that gets them access to the Indian market without necessarily having to build a factory in India uh, and lowering the tariffs, but it also seems like maybe there's some question around whether that is or is not possible. But either way, I think South Korea makes a lot of sense. You know, you've got a lot of battery manufacturing there, and um, it would be great to continue to strengthen partnerships with both LG Chem and potentially even, because I don't think, does Tesla currently work with Samsung at all? on batteries in south korea anywhere uh, like i don't anywhere. know that there's anywhere. any know. any samsung batteries going into any tesla products uh no i think it's panasonic and uh a few other players cattle right is the other one yeah. in china right uh i don't i don't think i don't think samsung's part of maybe the screens i think that's the only one i think it's just yeah. screens yeah yeah, it would but be I, I it would was, be interesting. Mm, oh, yeah. I was just gonna say to to see them use batteries from both LG Chem <clears throat> and and from Samsung. Yeah, I think definitely a mega factory. They have a big expertise in 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 batteries. Uh, I think. I think cars, I mean, South Korea is not a terribly huge market, and there are no big markets near i mean if you compare to shanghai i think it would be more logical to have have something in asia further south um if you think of transport but a gateway to india that would be really great because i think that if that could work because i think that tesla they want to try out the indian market well, we talked about this before that it's a huge market they passed china in population so they're now the most populated country on earth last two weeks ago and but the financial standard is still very low i mean how big of a market how big interest would there be mm -hmm. um but they're definitely good car builders and good battery makers so yeah yeah, I mean the Hyundai. The Hyundai Group does great out there, you know, with uh, with Hyundai and Kia. Which, by the way, yeah. they're both the same company. I don't know how many people knew that, but Hyundai and Kia is a Hyundai Group, um, and uh, they're based out of South Korea. And they make they make really good cars. Um, I think I think any different. Go ahead. What What about solar panels? I don't know. I have no idea. Do you mean I mean, I think like our solar panels comes they come from LG, but I mean, what about Tesla? They make them in the states now, don't they? I think so. Yeah, and Giga Factory, uh, Giga Giga New York, I think, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. If they're ever um, going to expand that, um... they got to get that building ramped. I don't think it's anywhere close to being ramped fully. They still have a lot, a lot of room to go at that building. I think I think the the South Korea play, the India play, is cool to think about because they can finally break into that market without any of the hurdles that they're facing by going in directly. 
it's kind of like a loophole to get in. But I think any diversification out of China in the Asia Pacific region is a positive, especially Mm -hmm. uh, given some of the turmoil around the COVID disruptions and stuff, sort of like highlighting just how dependent everyone is on one country to supply everything. Nothing against China, but I think strategically speaking, any diversification they can do in that region is smart. And if it's South Korea, great. If it's Japan, great. If it's India, great. doesn't matter. I remember hearing some speculations about a Gigafactory Osaka um, just because of the amount of automotive expertise that's there. Personally, I would rather see a factory go up in South Korea as opposed to Japan. I think it's going to be more business friendly and probably open up more doors. Um, Obviously, the Japanese car market is nearby South Korea. Um, And yeah, I 100% agree on just diversifying in Asia Pacific away from China with all the geopolitical risks that are there. Like we can continue to expand Shanghai, but um, I would rather see a factory outside of China um, instead of building in a new, like as opposed to having a gigafactory in Beijing or somewhere else in China. Yeah. Next question, and then we'll do uh, maybe one more after if we have enough time. And Stephen, another community member, thank you so much for your question. What do you think Tesla's take would be on content creators, fans, etc., making ads, education content on EVs and or Tesla? I think I think they would love it. I mean, if you look at the uh, the we have a YouTube link actually, uh, producer wife dig uh, digged up. So uh, can you go ahead and? Uh, show that youtube video that you had on the private chat with mkbhd this is the love the love something what was it called uh pull up the the thing the the title so we can see it can you throw us to the side yeah uh project love day yeah so they did something similar to this about five years ago where they asked content creators to create the best tesla ad and then they uh they sort of used this to drive um awareness for the product so go ahead and play a little bit of it and maybe skip around just so people can be reminded of what it looked like. Um, yeah, so it's kind of cool. Look at how much room it has. Yeah. So it's kind of like, you know, using the video to, to showcase just how cool the, the products are. And this was five years ago. And Tesla, Tesla opened this, uh, this sort of thing, this uh, this project. So why why wouldn't they do it again? You know. So I think they're very very pro this. It's just a matter of asking when is when is the right time to do this. Um, any any anything to add there, Mimi or Hans? No, I think it's no. I think they would like it absolutely. Yeah. I can't see and why. They, and he's like, I got you. I got you. <laughs> yeah, see that? <laughs> it's brilliant. Just wait. <laughs> Bye. <Yeah. laughs> very cool. Very, very cool. All right. Let's do um let's do one more and then we'll move over to member only. There he's taking his groceries. Oh there's the Lambo. Nice. <laughs> awesome. Let's do uh, one more question and then we'll move move over to uh member only stream. By the way, thank you all so much for the support. I see super chats coming through and I'm sure uh I'm sure a producer wife is uh is throwing out some thanks for those. So thank you all so much for your support. Really appreciate you. Last question of the stream from Robert. Question, worldwide in 2030, what would be the percentage EV sales and who besides Tesla 
will be the big players? Um, that's that's the million dollar question. So a lot of speculation around EVs crossing the 50% mark by 2028-ish. Uh, 2030 is a lot of the assumptions as well. Some of the more conservative ones are like out to 2035. I mean, to, to me, quite it seems quite clear that that Tesla and BYD will be the biggest ones by far, for just from the looks of things. Maybe Volkswagen if they can continue the ID four trend, but it doesn't look like it. It looks like they're going the opposite direction, to be completely honest. So to me, it seems like it's just Tesla and BYD, and then who knows who else. How do you guys think about this? Well, I think the South Korean brands. We'll st they're doing very well. Um, I'm hoping for Volvo and Polestar. Uh, what do you think of the new Polestar with no rear window? I think it's a good looking car, but my bigger thing is like, why is the trunks? Why is there? Does it even have a trunk? It has barely a, a frunk, rather. It doesn't even have a frunk. You know, like it that's doesn't? my bigger thing. I haven't looked at it. Yeah, it's I super just saw tiny. It among, um, yeah. I mean, uh, I think it's okay not having a rear window because I think we're going towards cameras anyway. But my bigger yeah. issue with that car is like, you, this is your third iteration of it and you still haven't figured out how to get a sizable front trunk, which tells me that you're not really optimizing the car to be an EV. You're just you're just continuing to use ICE platforms to make an electric vehicle, which is going to give you a, a heavy car. That's how I think about it. No, yeah. the, so the Polestar 3 is definitely engineered from the ground up to be an EV. Yeah. Um, so I... Yeah. I don't know on the on the front what the deal is with that, but there's not a crossover like there's no ice platform that's going to be built on the same chassis as okay. the Polestar three. So that so then why not? I'm not front? sure. Um, the interview on, between <laughs> the interview between Sandy Monroe and Corey and uh, Tom Eigenlath is that how you pronounce his name? The the CEO of Polestar um on the new monroe live podcast this week was an excellent podcast mm. i definitely recommend people go watch and listen to that um but yeah so I, I think that, produced i think that they're taking the right approach overall as far as they spun out you know polestar is the ev brand ev only um i think that that is organizationally the right move um i think that the swedish design aesthetic has a very strong chance of being successful and um volvo is a great company so i i think that it's polestar has a great chance um i think they're doing they're making the right moves like i would bet that in 2030 Polestar is competitive, if not ahead of Ford in the EV market. Um, I think that Ford has a decent chance if they can manage the transition and not uh, not trip over their ICE business. Um, yeah. You know, that's one of the things that Polestar is not going to have to worry about. Um, and then, yes, I 100% agree. I think that Kia Hyundai is going to be a force to be reckoned with. And then it'll be BYD and probably at least one, if not multiple other Chinese competitors. Maybe. I'm more pessimistic about GM, though. I don't know. Oh, yeah. It seems like they're GM's talking gone. and talking and talking. Yeah. GM is gone. It's yeah, gone. I think so. Yeah. 
the thing, the craziest thing about GM, and we got to wrap this up so we can go to member only, is that they're discontinuing the best-selling car in the Bolt, which they've had for seven years and they haven't been able to make profitable. And without the Bolt, GM has sold less than a thousand cars this year. It's less than a thousand EVs knows. this year in 2023. That's it. Yeah. That's yeah, it. That's yeah. all that there is to be said. All yeah. right. Let, let's move on to members only. Memi, Hans, thank you so much. Really appreciate you guys. Uh, as always, if you do want to join us in the member only discussion, join by clicking right on join right below this video. I said join a lot just now. And uh, we'll do these every week. Uh, do these every week. And uh, half of the earnings from these community streams go to our community fund. And uh, you'll get access as well to our private Discord, a bunch of cool emojis. And then our resident lawyer, Richard, can give you legal advice for free. All right, everybody. We'll see you on the next one. Take it easy, everybody. <laughs> bye bye. <laughs>